Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the name of the Lord. It's great to be in the house of God, isn't it? I felt the Lord, they started singing about the blood, my goodness, if it wasn't for his blood. Amen, amen. We, uh, if you will, turn to your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 1. Hey, Brother Redmond, so good to see you. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here tonight. My goodness. So glad you're here. I, uh, I think about your message often that you preached, uh, and you preached several, but one really stuck with me about when you're going through the fog, just keep doing what you know to do. And uh, man, what a powerful word. And so glad you're here. And um, glad what I feel in this room tonight. Genesis chapter 1, reading with verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon a mess. It was a mess. It was dark. It was void. And He moved upon the face of the waters of this. He saw a mess, but Isaiah 46.10 says he declared the end from the beginning. What what started in darkness was void. He could see trees of green. He could see sunrises and sunsets. He could see birds chirping in the morning. Turkeys gobbling in the morning. Or all the hunters in the building. He could see the white-tailed deer coming under my tree stand, praise God. He could see your dog, your cat. He could see humanity worshiping him. And he formed it according to the plan that was in his mind. That's why John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning With God, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, God had a plan. Oh, I feel like preaching here for a minute. God looked at your mess, and He saw a plan. God saw your messed up life, but He had a plan. He said, I'm going to take something out of this mess, and I'm going to make it amazing. Aren't you glad you're here right now? He fixed me. He healed me. Amen. And so the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that what? Everybody saying it was good. Praise God. Look down at verse 10. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw what? Verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in 
itself after his kind and God saw what? Everybody saying it was good. I want you to lift your hands and ask God to speak to you tonight. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for who you are and what you're doing in this room right now. We thank you for the process, the day after day, month after month, year after year, that God, you keep working on us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. I want you to tell the Lord right now, God, I'm asking you to speak to us tonight through your word, through the teaching of the word of the Lord. Let there be conviction. Let there be a change of mind and a change of heart. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody say, and it was good. You may be seated. If you would throw the slide up here today, I, um, I titled this sometime, sometime back. And um, if you look at creation, and I told you that it would be life-changing, and I believe it is, and I've taught you about preparing for a Sabbath, uh, for a day. Um, day one, he created the light and darkness. He divided light from darkness. On day two... He separated the waters above from the waters beneath. Do you see that? On day three, he separated the dry land from the sea, and then he put herbs on that. On day four, he finished. Don't miss the point. Are y'all with me tonight? I feel like I need a teacher stick up here. Touching the board. On day four, what did he do? He finished what he started on day one. You see that? Let there be light, but then he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. Days, seasons, and years, he finished on day four. What he started on day two, on day five, he completed. He had separated the waters above from the waters beneath. What did he do on day five? He put fowl in the air and fish in the sea. On day three, the dry land and the seas that he separated, pulled the dry land out of the water, put herbs and grass and trees. He finished the dry land on day six when he created the animals and humanity. What did he do on the seventh? On the seventh, he looked this way. And he said, and it was very, everybody say, very good. Here's the question tonight. Could he have created the heaven and the earth in one day? Can you say amen? The answer is yes. He could have created the heaven and the earth in one day. Why did it take him six? Because when Moses was in the mount, and there was a place he carved out for Moses beside him, when Moses was in the mount, God showed him his hinder parts, which I believe in interpretation would be this. He showed him creation. Who was at creation with God? The Bible says he created the heaven and the earth alone. He said, I looked beside me and there was not another. And you'll find that there was no humanity there with him. 
There was no humanity until he created Adam in the garden on the sixth day. So there was no one here watching what he did to record it until Moses. He said, Moses, let me show you something I've never showed anybody. The Bible says he revealed his secrets to the prophets. In that moment, I believe he said, Moses, let me take you back here. Brent, run up here with me for a minute. I believe it sort of went something like this in the cleft of the rock. He said, I'm going to pass by you. He said, I'm gonna put my hand over your eyes because there's a part of me I'm not gonna let you see. Not gonna let you see my face. I'm gonna let you see my, my hinder parts. I don't even just believe the backside. I believe it's talking about creation. And he let him see the beginning of time and all of a sudden it was like in a vision. Well, how did he write it down? All of a sudden he let Moses begin to see how it all began and it started. Look, I'm gonna show you something. What do you see? Nothing, it's just black. It's dark. Well, watch what happens. I begin to breathe upon the waters. The Spirit of God moved upon the water. And when it did, I said, let there be light and the light. I created my glory. Somebody shout the glory of God. I created my glory. And then on day two, I, I separated the waters beneath from the waters above. I put water in the air. How many know you need dehumidifiers this time of year? I put water in the air. And, and then on, 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 put it back up there. On day three, I created the land and volcanic eruptions and I allowed the, the, the mountains to come out of the water and land. It was just bare. Then all of a sudden it was fields of green and flowers blooming and trees begin to grow. And Moses, let me tell you something, but it, I didn't stop there. Here's what I did. I went back to day one, but I created the sun, the moon, and the stars. I hung them and Moses is looking around, seeing how God created this heaven and the earth. I don't believe it was a big bang that come out of no purpose. I believe it was designed by Almighty God. Amen. Somebody say amen. And he, he took him and said, I finished. I, look what I did on day four. On day five, that water I put above and the water beneath, I put fish in the sea. And then I put birds in the air. Day six, I finished what I did on day three. And I put the, the elephants and the cattle and the, the dogs and the cat. And when it was all done, I formed man from the dust of the ground. You ever wonder why you are what you are? I formed man from the dust of the ground. I was looking at Christ and I formed Adam looking at Christ. And Moses records what he saw at the beginning. How many believe that? Amen. I want you to know there's a place besides God, amen, for you that he can reveal things about your future. He can reveal things about your family. How many want to see what God sees in your life? Thank you. Amen. That's why later, John, the beloved, what did he see? A man that was close to the Lord. He allowed him see his face, the front side, in Revelation 1. What was he letting him see? He was letting him see the end. And he records, he said, I see streets of gold and gates of pearl and walls of jasper. How many are looking forward to being in that land beyond this land? It's like a new Jerusalem gonna come down out of heaven. Praise the name of the Lord. And so when you begin to look at this, we understand that God sees the end from the beginning. Here's what I would say to you tonight. You have to understand the concept of God to be successful in your family, to be successful in life. 
You've got to be like God is. Look at Isaiah chapter 46, if you will. Isaiah chapter 46. The Bible says in verse 9. Isaiah 46 and 9, he said, Remember the former things of old. He said, For I am God. For I am God and there is what? None else. I am God and there is none like me. Doing what? Declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. The nature of God is to look at the end result and set a plan accordingly. He's a planner. So it goes something like this. In the beginning was the plan, and the plan was with God, and the plan was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by the plan, and without the plan was not anything made that was made. Proverbs 8 records that wisdom said, I was with him at the beginning. God didn't intend for us to live life frivolously from paycheck to paycheck, jumping from day to day to never feel accomplished. Are you ready? Watch, throw the screen back up here. So when he created light and darkness and he divided it, the Bible says in the morning, uh, the evening and the morning were the first day. At the end of that day, he stopped what he's doing. He looked over the day and he said, and it was good. He stopped. There's a time you got to stop. There's a time you got to stop what you're thinking about and you got to rest. At some point, you got to stop working and rest. One study said every, every person needs an hour to themselves at the end of the day. To do what? Everybody say, reflect over your day. And to be able to say what? Everybody saying it was good. And the next day you work and you get at the end of that day and you look over your day and you say, it was good. The third day, he said it was good. The fourth day, the fifth day, at the end of the sixth, which was the end of his work week, he said, it's very good. The point of a Sabbath, that's why it was a sin in the scripture to even pick up a stick on the Sabbath day because the Sabbath day was a day to be grateful to the Lord and to regather strength, reflecting on what you've done and God has done in your life. Could I stop here for a minute and ask you, when's the last time you stopped and felt accomplished? That you felt good? That you felt like, hey, what I'm doing is making a difference. If you're not careful, what will happen is, is there's no plan, there's no stopping point, you work till you fall over. You don't, you don't have a future plan. There is no Sabbath schedule. There's, there's no time of refreshing. And I'm going to help you right now. Media is not refreshing. It can have a moment in your life, but it's probably not going to bring what you need in your life. There's got to be a moment of, everybody say reflection, that you look over your day and say, I did everything I was supposed to do. Why? Because there was a plan. Everybody say, a plan. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to ask God right now. God, give us wisdom. Lord, give us wisdom. Not to just run from day to day. Not just to work consistently.
But God, that you would give us wisdom on how we are to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Somebody say amen. There's a statement that's very true. It says, if you plan, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail. We would rather work than plan. And typically what happens, we work harder instead of smarter. You got to take time. He knew what he was going to do on day one, and he finished it. He knew what he was going to do on day two, and he finished it. Was, it, was day one complete? Look at your neighbor say, it wasn't com- complete yet. He completed it on day four. You can have a project unfinished and feel accomplished because you've done what you're supposed to do that day. Can I tell you this? That's why we need to have planned prayer meetings with God. Some of your greatest yeses are going to come from your greatest noes. That means you're going to say, I'm sorry, I would like to, but I can't. Why? Because I'm committed to this. We will run all over the place to, to do this for somebody, to do this for somebody. I'll never forget, I, was, I think I was standing here in my prayer time, and uh, when, I was, when I was praying and my phone rang, and because preachers are on call, I answered. I answered my phone during prayer. And I felt like the Lord just spoke to my spirit and said to me, why are you answering your phone in your prayer time when you won't answer your phone when you're eating dinner with your children at the table? Because if I'm eating dinner with my table, James Dobson said the most important of family, uh, focus on the family, he said the most important room in your house is your dining room. He said because that's a place that's separated from everything else, that's time alone with your kids. And uh, he, he's, in his teaching, he said, you shouldn't answer your phone when you're eating dinner with your, with your family because if you do, you're, what you're saying is this phone call is more important than you right now. And uh, when I'm eating dinner, my wife can attest to this, when I'm eating dinner, I don't answer my phone if it rings. I am just sit there and I love that time. But when I was praying, talking to the Lord, I answered my phone. Why? Because sometimes our prayer time is random, but it's not planned. And sometimes not answering our phone is saying no. Why? Because I'm saying yes to him at this time. Does that make sense? There has to be a concept in your life that you can't be all things to all men all the time. You, you, you've got to have a plan looking over your week and say, hey, I've got this. Listen, I've seen it over the years. Somebody give their life to the Lord. They want to be at church. And as soon as they get to the house of God, they're ready to get to the house of God. A friend stops by their house. A family member comes. And you know what they have to say? I'm sorry, I can't go to the house of God. I've got family in town. And I want to say, it's a trick. It's a trap. So I have taught new converts because I've seen a pattern of this over the years. Just look at them and say, I'm so glad you're in town. I'll be back in an hour and a half, maybe two. Depends on how long the preacher preaches. And if you don't wait that long, just go with me. I told him that. But you need to be at the house of God. You've got to make the Lord's day the Lord's day. That's my time to be faithful to the Lord. I am committed to the house of God. 
Can you say amen? Every day that's not started in prayer is a day that something is lost. And there might be moments of sickness. There might be moments of, 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 of weariness that you bypass that and you say, what do you do if I miss a day? You know what? Just start real good the next day. Don't fret over it. God, people run around and think God's mad at them all the time. I just don't believe that. Can you say amen? Everybody say personal devotion. What, is, what does a personal devotion look like? Should that be a part of our day? Is, that a part of, is devotion a part of our day? What is devotion? What is devotion? What is it? Look at your neighbor and say, what's devotion? It's my time alone with God. Devotion is not a place where you, you pray about the burdens of the world. It's not a place where you get an intercession for every, every, every situation that's going on. It's not a place for spiritual warfare. It's a place, my place is, uh, is now a pair of glasses. I forgot the other day, I was reading my Bible with a magnifying glass. Help me, Jesus. Never thought I'd be there. But uh, I, I like my Bible and a cup of coffee and Jesus make a good day starting. Can I get a witness from some coffee drinkers, amen. But when you start your devotion, you're, you are to get in his word and you're to be thankful for him and thank you for what he's going to do this day. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. There were two gates that were in the tabernacle. Two gates. There was a, the outer gate and the inner, inner gate. You know what the outer gate was for? It's thanking him for what I'm going to stand between day one and day two. My outer gate that comes in, it's to reflect thanking God for everything he's done. What you're saying is, enter his gates, it's two gates, enter his gates with what? And into his wide courts, because there was an outer court and an inner court. You enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. You know what that means? I'm gonna thank you for what he's done for me already. But before I start my next day, I'm going to thank you for what he's getting ready to do. That's two gates. That's two courts. When you come in, the whole world might be against you. But this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. God's got the end declared and I win. This is the day he's made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. Somebody say rejoice. You've got to learn to rejoice when it looks like the day's not going well. What did, what did Brother Woodward teach us? If you're going through a trial, how do you get through a trial? You rejoice. You learn to say the Lord is good. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. You know what made David mad? It looked like Job was losing everything. And he said, naked I came this world. Naked I'll leave this world. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm going to bless him anyhow. He's got the end declared. Somebody shout, he's got the end declared from the beginning. I wish somebody jumped to your feet on a Wednesday night, clap your hands, and say it's going to work itself out. God's going to make a way. He's going to make a way where there is no way. Woo! I said the Lord is going to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. It's not an easy verse, but Romans 8 says all things work together for the good of the living. 
All things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. All things, all things. It's hard to look at somebody that's lost a child and say all things. That's lost a spouse, all things. That sickness comes to their body, all things. Was on the phone with somebody before church that had a terrible doctor's report. It's hard to look at somebody and say all things. But you've got to trust that if I'm in him, somehow he's going to make it better in my life. He's going to make it better in my life. Somebody say amen. It's a process. And that's what he's teaching us. That life is a process. Let me see that. Let me see the baby. I promise I'm not going to stand on any chair while I'm holding this baby like I did the last time. Somebody said, did you realize you was preaching with the baby and they stood on the chair? I laid in bed and fretted about it at night, thinking about it. Look at that right there. She's in my Wednesday night Bible study. Most Wednesdays, she's in there with the brother and sister Barton. Bible study. She came in and she waved at me like this tonight. Do you know Jesus never laid hands on a baby and the baby became an adult? Not one time. Baby had to learn to grow because God loves the process of growing. He loves it. There's going to be opposition in her life. Opposition in her life. It'll make her strong. It'll make her become the person she's supposed to become. Can you say amen? It will. It'll make them become everything they're supposed to become. And so, uh, um, Zion, you're going to be a born-again baby. Stand up. Hey, if we believe this was only about eternity, as Brother Woodward taught us, when you came out of the water, regrave of baptism, speaking in tongues... Why didn't the Lord just kill you right there on the spot? We'd all rejoice. He made it to heaven. <laughs> sounded terrible, didn't it? My land just sounded terrible. That you, my land, forgive me. I've sinned against you. You can't talk as much as we preachers talk and not say something wrong every now and then. But listen to me. It's not about eternity. It's not just about eternity. Why did he let you live after you got saved? Because he wants to watch you grow and process. He loves watching you grow in the Lord. As newborn babes, desire, I'm going to tell you right now, I've enjoyed watching you grow in the Lord. We really have. One of the, one of the greatest privileges in the longevity of ministry is seeing people come in broken, undone, bitter and weary and watch God turn it around and watch them grow with the Lord, grow in grace and the knowledge of the truth. And what you got to realize that God, God, God could do a lot in one day in you, but he chooses the growth process to be incremental. Wait on the Lord. Sometimes waiting on the Lord. God didn't do everything he's going to do in you in one, one moment. But what happened is one of these days, you're going this direction because that's one through seven. Come over here and stand. This is a powerful preacher, but that didn't happen overnight. Amen. One of these days, he's going to be preaching us a revival. How many believe that? Right here. I prophesy that. 
You will. And, uh, and you, it's, it's God works on you incrementally. Did you know every day for six days that they got up, there was manna on the ground? What was manna? It was food. Somebody else, what was it? Bread. It's bread from where? Do you know that every day you get up, there's bread waiting on you? It's called daily devotion. It's where heaven feeds you. Alone with the Lord. There's some days I'm praying, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. Because it's me. But you know what I've learned? God's still listening. But if I'll keep it consistent, there's a story about a man that every day, for many years, he prayed every morning from 6 to 7 a.m. Every day. And in his older age, had a heart attack, and they couldn't get his blood pressure, they couldn't get his heart rate to stabilize, except every morning at 6 to 7. His levels went perfect every morning. They couldn't, why are your levels going perfect from 6 to 7? Finally, the explanation was this. That's the time that God comes and visits me. <clears throat> if I'm not careful... I'll become the Christian that God didn't call me to become. And probably one of my greatest fears is become somebody that God didn't call me. That my life becomes about people, you, needs. I was on this side of the church one time. I was praying. I was getting ready to preach. My first camp meeting, I was scared to death. The preacher had canceled, had a funeral. They called me and said, we want you to preach Monday night at camp meeting in Ohio. I was terrified. And uh, I came here. I was praying on this side of the church. Oh, God, I need a word. I need you to help me. Oh, God, I've never done this before. God, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, I wish you to come to me the way you did when you were five. I said, I don't know what you mean. He said, when you were five, you didn't want anything but me. Instead of a word, instead of a miracle, instead of a... Are you ministry? You just wanted me. I feel that in this room. That this isn't about ministry. This is about Him. Devotion's got to be about you and God, His Word feeding you and strengthening you. Because as a preacher, I can become weary in well-doing. I can become weary. Why? Because I'm pouring out more than I'm getting poured into. But devotion is a place where God pours into me. You can teach Eight hours. Brother Barsati talked about teaching Bible study for eight hours a day for years. I saw a lot of fruit come out of that. But you know what? If I'm teaching, if I'm teaching, it's spending my spirit. If I'm teaching, it's coming out of me. I have to have time alone with God that's coming into me. If I'm preaching to you, I'm pouring out. But if I get alone with him, he's pouring in. Can you say Amen. And when you're done with ministry and you poured everything out you've got, you put it all out there in that service, guess what you've got to do? You've got to get along with the Lord and just begin to worship. And when you begin to worship, it's a place where God begins to pour back into your spirit. Let me put it this way. You've ministered to your kids. You've worked on the job. You need the house of God, a place to worship that you can let God pour back into your soul. With joy shall you draw water out of the wells. Oh, come on. Is there anybody thirsty for some water out of that well? Jesus is that well. Praise the name of the Lord. Brother Zion, come on. Don't leave me. God's not going to do it in one day. 
He's going to do part of it in a day. He's going to take you to day two, and he's going to do that. But what you've got to do instead of seeing what you're not, what you don't have done, it's like a house project. Be a homeowner, they said. It's going to be fun, they said. It's never done, I say. <laughs> Are y'all with me? Yeah. You own it, you got to fix it. But what can happen, though, is it's like your life, your ministry, who you are, can be like a house project. You can only see what's not done. Instead of taking a moment on day one and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what I accomplished today. It is not the will of God to leave every day unaccomplished. People can make you feel unaccomplished. The devil can make you feel unaccomplished. I feel a witness of the Spirit right now. The word for that is condemned. Condemnation. Everybody say condemnation is never from God. Guilt is never from God. Condemnation comes from the devil or your flesh. So you know how you battle your own flesh? You've got to be obedient to God's plan. And you say, no, look what has been accomplished today. I know that it's not all finished, but I've done what I have done today. Every day, you need to take a moment and stop and say, and it is, somebody say, it's good. And I can start tomorrow and say, it's going to be good. Somebody shout, it's going to be good. Clap your hands and praise him. Thank you. Sundays are not supposed to be a day where you come and thinking about everything you got to do next week. Sunday should be a day that you, come, come up here, Brother Zion, I'll let you go too soon. I want you to come and stand here on Sunday. I know if you studied it out, the Sabbath is actually a Saturday and you can look at your calendar and all that, but listen here. I'm talking about what we do on Sunday. As, as most Christians, we look at Sunday as the Sabbath, except for preachers. Preachers work hard on, Saturday, on Sundays, that's for sure. But you look on a Sunday, this is what you should do. You should look over your week and say, it's very good. I have worked hard this week. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm coming in saying, hey, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. God's been good to me. Come on, quit seeing what's undone and start seeing what has been done. Quit letting the devil tell you you everything you're not and start seeing everything that you are. I wish somebody would jump to your feet, clap your hands and say, I am who God says I am. I am what God says I am. I am the apple of his eye. He is everything to me. Somebody say amen. amen. We as spouses, we got to learn to be accomplished with one another. We as parents have got to learn to teach accomplishment even to our babies. Brother Zion, if all I ever did with you was turn, turn around and say, turn around, you haven't done this, your bed's not made, the grass needs cut, why do you have 17 dishes? It's getting ready to say seven, but it's more than that. 17 dishes in the sink? Are y'all with me? Didn't brush your teeth again. I mean, you know how it is when you're raising them up. All the way down the line. If all you ever hear is what you're not, 
you can never rejoice in who you are. I don't know who gave the study. Did everybody hold up six fingers? I've been redundant here tonight, I realize. They say you need six praises per, six praises per one criticism. And when you're training up children, you're training up children. If I say, you haven't done this, you haven't done that, you haven't, but I haven't said, hey, you did a great job on this. I know you've been doing this. Guess what? The criticism creates insecurity instead of confidence. How many know that we're individually and wonderfully made? I don't, I don't and you shouldn't ever tell anybody, you're going to be the best. What you teach is, I want you to be your best. If I teach you that you're going to be the best, you know what that means? You're going to live in comparison. You're going to create insecurity. But you teach, I want you to be your best. And it might not measure up to looking around people. And Paul said we got to be careful to compare ourselves among ourselves. Because where we think we should be best, somebody else might be better. But where somebody else is weak, we might be strong. It sounds like a marriage. How many know it's true? And in leadership, you teach people to be their best. Like this, whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it with all of your might. Give it your best. I want to know that you've given it your best shot. You know what that does? It builds confidence that they know I've done my best. Even when somebody else might do a little bit better. Somebody say amen. Everybody say my goal is to feel accomplished. Everybody hold up six fingers. Six praises to one criticism. There have been moments that I did not correct my kids because I hadn't praised them lately. And I didn't want it to fall and create insecurity in them. I wanted them, I wanted them to have confidence. Everybody say cast not away. Therefore, your confidence. I'm going to tell you what I feel tonight. God is not against me. He's for me. I need to learn to rejoice in what he's done at this moment and realize he's going to finish the work. I wish somebody say, God's going to finish the work that he begun in my life. Brother Zion, I want you to learn to rejoice over day one. Rejoice over the finances that you have now. But also be able to turn and say, God's got more blessing on the way. Do you believe God's got more on the way for your life? So how do we wrap this up tonight? You've got to learn to plan how much you can get accomplished in a day. You have to learn to plan how much you can get accomplished in a week. Just because you get it, didn't get it done in a week doesn't mean it's not going to be done. But you can't fret on Sunday. I, when we were in this building project, it was hard for me to pray in here. You know why? Because there was lights hanging from the ceiling, wired up sideways. There were doors way that needed to be moved. There was concrete floor. There was, there was, there was carpet. That needed, and I couldn't hardly pray because I could only see what needed to be done and I couldn't think about what we've already done. How many's ever been a project that way? What you've got to learn to do, Brother Tyler, you've got to learn to stop and look over your week.
and say, I can get this much done on this day, this day, this day. You got to plan it sometimes and say, five days out, I'm going to do this job and get it done. Or what's going to happen is you're going to live in constant frustration and never feeling good enough. I want us to stand our feet tonight. Somebody say amen. He declared the end from the beginning. I feel like this will set you free if you create a stopping point. What time do you stop? When you fall over? You ever work till you fall over? I have. I can relate. There's got to be a stopping point. Said, I've got to get. How do I know my stopping point? Listen to your body, but also try to create a plan. Building projects are that way. Church ministries are that way. One of some of my greatest mistakes as a young preacher is trying to have now what God intended for me in six months to a year. Abraham, if you're not careful, you'll create Ishmael. Wanting now what God has planned later. Everybody hold up two fingers. There's tuning and there's timing. The tuning of God is what he's going to do now. Or is what he's going to do. The timing of God, it might be later than right now. How many know that's true? Back in the 60s, I think only 2% bought their houses with credit. Now, 98% of homes are bought with credit. Why? Because our culture wants now what we can only afford maybe later. And that's why all the prices have went up. How many know that's true? You've got to learn to be disciplined in seeking God about what does God want for me now and what does God want for me later. I want you to lift your hands and pray. I want you to open your heart with your hands. Lift your heart with your hands. Oh, God, we need you. Lord, I love you today. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. God, help us, Lord, to be what you want us to be. Help us to find that bread from heaven that's waiting on us every single morning. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Help us to create patterns of good works, oh God. Lord, time alone with you, spent alone with you, oh Lord. Waiting and hearing your voice. Oh God, to hear your voice again. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. <laughs> Come on, take a moment. You're running hard, you're working hard, but God wants alone time with you. We can't be so busy, we can't spend time alone with God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, we can't compare ourselves among others. Two men before Christ, two men before Christ were raptured. One was named Elijah, the other was named, anybody know? Enoch. Elijah had all these great exploits. Called fire out of heaven. Stopped it raining three and a half years. Many, many miracles. What did Enoch do? He walked with God. He had a relationship with the Lord. 
I hope that every single person in this room today can say, hey, at the end of the day, I want to know that I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants time alone with you. Somebody say time alone with you. Here it is. He could have done it on one day, but he taught us to break things down incrementally. You supposed to read the Bible in a day? Break it down. I'm going to tell you what I feel. Quit trying to read the Bible through as fast as you can. Do it once if you have to. Then drag your feet through it slowly so he can speak to you. There are days alone with the Lord that I'll get halfway through a chapter and I'll just pause and let the word speak to my spirit. And I'll marinate in that verse or that, that chapter the rest of the day dwelling on that. And God, yesterday, so powerful, um, reading in the book of Colossians, my devotions right now in Colossians, and that word began to speak to me so powerful, I didn't want to leave it. I'm talking about a relationship with God that at the end of the day, you can't wait to go finish what you started that morning. Amen. Everybody stay alone with God. This teaching is redundant. I realize I've done some of it. But God wants you to feel accomplished, not inadequate, insignificant, not doing enough. I wish I'd be doing more. Now don't listen to that voice. Get alone with God, and He's going to show you exactly what you need to do. Here's what we're going to do tonight. I want us to get on our knees all over the building, and I want us to think about tomorrow and how we're going to start it and how we're going to end the rest of this week. I want you to get on your knees. All of those are physically able and start talking to the Lord and make some covenants with God. God, I don't know how I've gotten so busy that I don't want to not be able to hear your voice. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I don't want to think about what might have been if I'd have started living for you sooner. If I'd have started younger. No, I can't live in that. Today I'll start fresh. Today I'll start new. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God's going to fix the mess one day at a time. He's going to fix your emotions one day at a time wounded spirit one day at a time. He's going to do it. He's going to grow you one day at a time. One moment at a time. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.